0: You're listening to the Global Sales Leader Podcast with your host, Jason Cooper. This is episode 19. This episode is all about passion, perseverance, and how you can look for your own passion. And gives you some really good, wonderful stories behind that with my very special guest, Mike Stevenson. He's hadn't really eclectic uh journey of his life and he's going to give you some elements of that based around storytelling you're going to really enjoy this i know you are hello good morning good evening and good afternoon and wherever you are in this wonderful world that we live in my name is jason cooper this podcast series is the global sales leader it's all about uh people with in brilliant and intriguing strategies to great effect that help people obviously and organizations grow for me. I'm a sales strategist, sales coach, I help people deliver better results by sales training. But also it's all about, for me, it's all about building good relationships with people and helping people understand how relationships work for now and in the future, because you just don't know. So there's a methodology that I use within that that really helps people for great effect. But today, my very special guest is Mike Stevenson. So, welcome, Mike. I'm delighted to be here. And thank you for inviting me. Oh, you're absolutely welcome. So, a little bit about uh, Mike. Uh, Mike never fails to inspire his own journey, which is also very inspirational from homelessness to award winning entrepreneur filled. With remarkable people and events, he founded Thinktastic, an innovation agency voted by Scottish Small Company of the Year 2008, and claimed for his unique approach to stretching people and organizations beyond their apparently possibility. He's done lots of other work, lots of other collective work. So I'm really happy uh, to speak with you, Mike. So you're very welcome. Thank you. So, Mike, uh, t- tell me a little bit of uh, sort of anchor points along the way, your journey, that describes what you do and what sort of changed along the way. Well,
1: I mean, I, I think life is full of learning points when you recognize them. And when you can use that learning to to inspire and guide people, um, it becomes of value. Um, so let's go back to school. I hated school and I was thrown out of school at the age of 15, which wasn't the, the best start because, you know, you're, you're brought up to believe that, um, you know, you, you pass or you fail exams along the way. Now, I didn't set an exam at school because I never got that far. So what I learned from that is that, you know, you can be cast with a description um, and that has got absolutely no bearing on what you actually have to offer because I discovered, you know, fairly soon afterwards that, you know, I could sing, I could perform, I could uh, engage people in conversation, I could tell stories and and but then I ended up out on the streets in, in London and mm. uh, what i learned then was that you know i had a personality uh, that i i could survive uh, and being knowing that you're a survivor is is really important nowadays we talk about resilience so i discovered that despite being an asthmatic um you know throughout my life and being told all the things i couldn't do which would exacerbate my asthma i actually did them all all yeah. those things i shouldn't do and not only did I survive, but I thrived. My my health you know, suffered a few times, but I got stronger. I I, I built you know, my body up and, and all those things. So those early discoveries were 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 diamond. But then I went into a whole succession of jobs. And I learnt in each one of them, and people don't recognise sometimes that, you know, whatever job you're doing, there is learning there. There's rich learning there. I learnt how to engage with customers. I learnt how to sell. I learnt how to, you know, do things around the house because I was in the building trade. So I I was able to, you know, when with a girlfriend we bought a house which was just an empty shell. I did everything but the plumbing. Plumbing terrifies me, but I did everything—you know—the plastering, the, the the flooring. I built a bed for us. You know all of those things. So that is the value of learning, and wow. and I also learnt. I think more importantly through all of this that human psychology, um, is is something that you identify. You know, at different points in your learning, I've been at the lowest rung, I've been at the highest rung, and I've seen, you know, what good leadership is. I've seen what bad leadership is. I've seen yeah. what motivates people and what doesn't motivate people. And and I, I always go back to this story, um, when I was working in the building trade, and it was a kind of first introduction to great leadership. And I arrived in this building site, and you yeah, know, I was at I was a bricklayer's assistant, a hod carrier. Mm-hmm. And every building site had arrived on, you know, it was the same. This is what you've got to do. And this is when you've got to do it by. And this was a Welshman, and he welcomed me with open arms. And he, he put his arm around me before you start, I want to show you something. And he showed me into this hut, and he showed me the plans, and he says, This is the palace you're building. And I felt this surge of energy because I realized then that you could have lots of people doing jobs, but those jobs cannot m- make people feel they're part of a larger project. They don't yeah, even know yeah. what the project is. So here was a man who brought everyone together, who made them f- recognize that they were part of an enormous uh, you know, undertaking, one that would be yeah. a legacy, you know, which people would look on for years. So that was a huge moment of awakening, particularly around motivation. So, you know, now I do speaking, I've been called a motivational speaker, and that is where I learnt it all. It hasn't come, it's it's been learnt along the way. So yeah. the value of that learning, I can now use to um, speak and inspire people. That's awesome. That's awesome. I like that. I like so, that. To, to,
0: to, to give me uh, yeah. an example of um, how motivation works, and especially intrinsic motivation for um, sales organisations and and that. How can you inspire people to work with you as if you're the leader, but you're you're working behind them, pushing them up, as opposed to pulling them yeah. up the hill. If you you know what I mean, yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, I have worked in so many workplaces where the word demotivation would be the overriding uh, concept that drives them extraordinarily. Um, And I I think it starts, you know, leadership uh, for me is about bringing out the greatness in others and also recognising that people you employ are better at something than you are. There's no point in employing people who, you know, look up to you uh, because you've got a superiority of skills. That's an absolute nonsense. And it's about, you know, being very clear on vision. It's about, you know, giving people responsibility and authority. And that responsibility should be a unique responsibility. There's no point in saying you are a. You know, no one wants to be a. They want to be the. And that's a very critical point. So when you feel that you've got value to the organisation, when you feel... That you have got a unique offering, then, and you're given the space and the the ability to make things happen and to be creative in pursuit of this vision, you suddenly find yourself, you know, working at pace and working with an enthusiasm. But so many organisations don't do that, and and so when I've worked with. Organisation. When I work with organisations now, because I'm using Zoom, you, you what you do is you enter into a, a wholly new narrative because you say you know this is the purpose of the organisation. You explain it in a very simple, plain English, motivating yeah. way, rather than you know we have got you know um, a mission to do 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 do, which just Makes you fall flat because is it the same mission as other organisations? The chances are it is. So what makes you distinctive as an organisation? Once you've got that, and I'm very good at finding. I'm a bit of a pearl fisher, yeah, um, or an oyster catcher. You know, it's uh, it's how you hone in on what makes an organisation utterly distinctive, and from yeah. that. You can create, you know, this this energy, and you can get people being creative about how they can achieve beyond, you know, expectation, and that's a starting point.
0: I love that. That's a really good way of uh, looking at it and sort of reframing how how you how you see that. Uh, a question I was going to ask is uh, purpose um, and how can uh, people, sales professionals, uh, leaders. Really find their purpose and what makes them get up in the morning. Because you've said along the way that you 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 step forward and you said uh, uh, from you you can't do that, you can't do that, but you've actually achieved that. So you've obviously set your intent in a really good way. I really like to find out how how people like yourself actually sort of ploughed through that and had that purpose. I know that Carol Dwork has the the grit analogy. Which is really wonderful, and I've 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 looked at that. But what is your grit? What is your purpose? What what made you push through all of that?
1: Well, can I can I tell you a story? Um, which to me um, wraps purpose up in in a jar. I, I was in South Beirut two days after the bombing. I think it was two thousand and six or two thousand eight, and 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 and. I was there because my mother's Lebanese and her sister was dying. So I got there, the first opportunity to fly in, because the airport had been closed for a couple of days, and I went to South Beirut, which was not where my aunt lived. She died just before I arrived there, mm-hmm. but I wanted to make some sense of what was going on in Beirut. So I went to South Beirut. and. It was rubble everywhere. I mean, you, you cannot imagine, you know, what the impact of targeted bombing like that is. So you're wandering around the rubble and you're breathing in this dust and you're seeing all the accoutrements of day-to-day life, you know, buried yeah. under the rubble, cars, uh, you know, children's toys, bits of clothing. And it's, it's you know, it—it it is... Um, an extraordinary experience because it shows you the utter destructiveness that humanity can impose. But there, mm-hmm. amidst, amidst the rubble, was a man selling clothing and the guy that was with me said that used to be a shop. So my instinct was to say to him, "You, it must have been horrible to lose your shop and he shrugged his shoulders and he said, I'm not a shopkeeper, I give people style and confidence. And he's selling clothes, by the way. So here was the perfect example of purpose over vehicle. And it's something that I've carried with me ever since. And I think I've carried it for most of my adult life that, you know, what we mistake is the vehicle for the purpose. So, you know, we've seen during lockdown, we've seen, you know, really uh, top signature restaurants. Staying alive, because they, they they would say their purpose is to tantalise taste buds, not to have a restaurant. So, you know, I've had deliveries here of all the ingredients, with all the sauces wrapped up, yeah, all in a yeah. frozen pack, you know, um, to do it yourself with all the instructions there, all these unique flavours and sauces and the, the, the ingredients which are you know, the best of, you know, produce in Scotland. So their purpose is not to have a restaurant. Their purpose is to bring, you know, delight to people's taste buds. So the purpose overcomes the vehicle. And if the vehicle stops, you know, being available, your purpose never changes. That's the the signature around purpose. And it's a very profoundly powerful thing because if you've got purpose you know my purpose is to inspire is to engage is to help organizations make that leap forward by engaging with their people and I'm talking about leaps forward not just small baby steps because when you engage people in this discussion and you agree that they have a purpose you know they might have a vision But the purpose is what drives people. That's what gets people up in the morning. And when you, you know, engage people around that purpose, suddenly you release them to be, you know, quite extraordinary to come up with ideas, to break through the departmental barriers that holds them back, to collaborate not only with people inside the organisation, but with people outside the organisation. You know, for example, I was working with a housing association in Glasgow for the past few weeks. I've got this series. And I call it Cold to Gold. And it's a six part series and it engages people at every part, right? And, you know, all of a sudden we're talking about, you know, uh, bringing arts organizations in to look mm-hmm. at the environment, bringing environmental organizations in, you know, working with a company like Dulux, for example, who've got a community foundation. Can we colour the houses? Because we know that colouring houses. Um, as was experimented with in Tirana, reduces crime, for goodness sake. It raises spirits. It does all sorts of things. But if you stay within your sphere of influence, you can only do some of those things that you dream about doing. If you engage with others, then you spark something in them. They become part of your purpose and they can contribute to that. So uh, older people's playgrounds, you know, this is pioneered in Finland. When they were looking at, you know, you know, completely reshaping the health of the Finnish people. Um, all of those things become part of the solution when you widen your scope and you begin to build collaborations. But first, you have to have a really solid purpose. And is the purpose of a housing association to give people homes? Yes. But it doesn't end there. Yeah. It's to raise people's you know horizons is to give them, you know, to to stimulate the local economy, to yeah, give people yeah. lifelong security, to make them feel that they are valued members of this community. And as valued members, you know, there is expectations on them to do something. So love, that's the beauty of purpose and how you can engage people around purpose rather than around the company's, um, you know, modus operandi. Because if it's wrong, if it's right, you can add to it. If it's wrong, you can transform it.
0: Love that. That's a a, a, a good explanation on purpose Purpose. and how that works. So, yeah, I, I really admire the way that you sort of pivoted the idea. And I think that's a really good way of looking at it. And I'm sure a lot of companies out there are just thinking about their mission statement as opposed to driving forward from that and go, well, what is the purpose of the company? What do we actually do? So uh, I like the analogy of uh, in the, the taste buds, what restaurants yeah. do. So That's awesome. But yeah. mine is inspired to build better sales teams through relationships that last. So that's my purpose. And that's how I built that because I do believe that to be true so uh, regardless of how i do it it makes no difference but it, that's how i my intent so yeah. um looking at the sort of uh uh strategies now uh, about engaging with uh clients remotely how, how do you s- see success with that and how can we sort of pivot that going forward because it's a, like it's going to be very slow for us get, getting out of where we actually are now, but we will happen eventually. But how do you hmm. see that? Well, you
1: know, I, I, listen, I'm, I'm a recent arrival on the whole zoom revolution uh, or, you know, whatever these platforms are. So it took me a while. And th- the first thing I had to do, um, I went and did method acting lessons online because I'm brilliant on stage. I mean, I can say that. I I, I bring energy. I move around. I know I have to s- to stand to think. Yeah. So what I wanted to do is to say, how can I improve my presence on this platform? Because, you know, I don't want to be a, a, a tailor's dummy sitting there. Um, so I had to find animation and, and you know, how you can use some of the drama techniques to yeah. to bring alive this conversation that you're having with people. And it is a conversation uh, in in a room. You can engage with people. You can see their eye movements. You can keep eye contact with everyone. You can you can test yourself by looking at nuanced um, movements in the room. You can speak to people beforehand, so you get a sense of what the real issues are. You can bring people up in your stories. For example, I was speaking at an event. Obviously, this is before uh, lockdown. Mm-hmm. And I go up and speak to people and say, what's your job? And this girl said, I'm just an administrator. So I was able to use that. And I was able to ask her because I'd asked her permission. So, you know, you know, I think it was Haley. Haley, what's your role in your organisation? She says, I'm the engine oil that drives all the departments. Mm-hmm. And suddenly everyone looked around and there was an energy came from that. So I was able to say, don't ever describe yourself as just a. And, you know, an administrator says nothing. You know, it says absolutely nothing. I was at a business um, network meeting. And you know what they're like. You sit around the table. Well, you used to. Now it's all online. And this guy next to me says, I'm an insurance salesman. Now, most people want to run to the toilet because you don't want to be sold insurance unless you're at that particular moment, you know, you have a need. So I, I spoke to him after the event, and I said, look, why don't you say to people, I help people sleep at night. And he thought about it and uh, he he says, yeah, I'll try that. But he still looked a bit skeptical. And I met him months later and he said, you know that piece of advice you gave me? It really works. (laughs) And it's great because it's a conversation starter. I say to people, you know, I say to you know people in the network, I help people sleep at night, and then someone will say, "Why'd you give them a hit? No. Do you hit them over the head with a baseball bat? Are you an anesthetist?" And he says, "No, I find them the perfect insurance package to protect the family, themselves, and their business." And that changes the conversation.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because
1: yeah. your purpose is not to sell insurance. That is the mechanism you use. So it changed that. Now, from that, you know, I got um, AXA Business Insurance, um, you know, have involved me in, in an advert which came out four years ago. And I recorded another one just before lockdown. And, and, you know, sadly that's not come to fruition, but it shows you how, you know, you can have a conversation which you then tell at an insurance conference in Edinburgh And then it reaches the ears of a big insurance company. So that's the power of purpose. And this is how you can take, um, you know, that understanding of purpose and bring it to an audience and excite them around it. And, you know, Zoom challenged me because I wasn't able to do that. So I learnt the acting. Um, Or I updated my acting skills. So Mm -hmm. that improved my online presence, I hope. And it's improving every time. Um, And then I took it out. Um, But the challenge now is how do you sell? Um, So, you know, LinkedIn is a great source. But I haven't mastered the art of selling on LinkedIn because it's uh, it's, a... it's a, a, a tiger's pet out there, everyone is doing it. And I think I've got an offer that, you know, beats so many other people, but I have to make sure that that, um, you know, stands out in the in the crowd. And I think, you know, telling stories helps you to do that. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. There's, uh, There's a lot of neuroscience about this, that is how the brain how works. The brain
1: works. Mm-hmm.
0: In terms of, um, uh, there's a thing called the mirror neurons in inside the front of the, the uh, prefrontal c- cortex in the front of the brain. But what they've what they've discovered is when you tell a story, I'm actually in the story. I'm actually when you describe it uh, exactly what you just said, I'm actually there. I'm actually in it. So when they did some scientific uh, research around this and put probes in the head and all that of both people, they found the same areas were lighting up between uh, you telling story and me listening. So which goes to prove the power of memory and the power of uh, igniting the senses and central information and a lot of it on online and in, in what you're, what you're doing. And uh, is what you do is you pivot what you have got into the real world. Nothing's changed. It's just that it's just, the delivery is just online, as opposed to a larger audience, because you're yes, creating yes. trust and credibility, which you have. Yes. So it's when you deliver that that's when people will hear it, and that's when people engage with it, and they like and love you for what you've done. So, how do you see trust and credibility in uh, stuff that you've done? Because I think it's transferable.
1: Well, you you know, I sometimes you you. You work with people across sectors. And you know, if you want the best possible example of storytelling, it is Disney. Yeah. Because Disney films have a I'm not gonna go through their 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 kind of technique here, but they are brilliant storytellers. And it starts, everyone remembers stories from childhood. Yeah. And it goes brilliant, brilliant. Is how Disney and now Pixar, because Disney yep. Pixar, how they layer stories so that adults can love it, so that children can love it, and they all pick out something different from it. But the, the the message is the same, that, you know, people fall down, they get up, and they eventually triumph. And that is the essence of Disney storytelling. So I brought, you know, with a partner down in, 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 in England, We brought Disney over to do two masterclasses in Scotland and there were successive years. And what that brought out was, you know, how you engage people. Because right from the very off, you know, the presenters, they show a picture of themselves in the city they've arrived in. So they immediately identify with something that's very Disney-esque. So you can imagine, first photograph, um, them standing at Edinburgh Castle, which is in itself Disney-esque. But, you know, what I learned from that is that Disney doesn't mess around with, you know, uh, low-level objectives. It doesn't muck around with, um, you know, that th- this is what we do. It creates magic memories for people. Now, to create magic memories means that every single person In the Disney Corporation has a responsibility to do that. So, you know, you don't have, you know, excuse me, you're just the cleaner. Um, You know, I'm the memory maker here. It doesn't work like that because if the cleaner or someone who's sweeping up sees something that um, makes them think, oh, I have to intervene here to make sure that people have a magical experience. So, a child looking anxious or a family looking around, you know, what am I going to do next? They intervene. And that's brilliant. Equally, if a director is walking around and they see a bit of litter that is, you know, ruining the experience, the visual experience, they will go up and pick it up. They won't look for a cleaner to do it. So it is this collective responsibility around a really big, big um you know, daily purpose to bring people, you know, into a magical experience and create memories that will last for a lifetime. Now, I think that's really exciting. So if, you know, the the third most frequently asked question at Disney in in Florida is, you know, when is a three o'clock parade? Now, the tendency would be to roll your eyes Mm -hmm. and say, well, uh, it's at three o'clock, no. That doesn't happen. What Disney does is it uses that experience uh, that they have knowing that people will ask questions because of anxiety. They ask the wrong questions. We've all done it. And I've got lots of stories about how people have asked what appears a stupid question because they're feeling anxious. And what the Disney person will say is, oh, I'm so glad you asked me that because it is at three o'clock today. We're going to be on time. So you take away that potential for a, it's three o'clock, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And then they say, I know a brilliant place for you to stand because, you know, I see you're from Scotland um and you don't want the the beating sun because you're not used to 44 degrees centigrade. And they'll take them to a place and they'll say, by the way, this is in front of the cooling ice cream van. So you get first dibs in the ice cream and you get this cool blast. That's how they do it. Yeah, they don't cool. have, you know, warning signs. Because that, you know, if you say something that warns people of a danger, then you increase the chances of that danger happening. It's just basic human psychology. If you say to someone, oh, watch that, you might trip, the chances are they're going to trip. Yeah, absolutely. the, 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 The Tower of Terror, for example, at Disney, when someone, you know, arrives, a family arrive, they've got a rule, health and safety, that you can't you know, uh, under a certain height, you can't go on this. Yeah, right. Well, yeah. Yeah. Right? So they don't say, excuse me, you're too small. They say, they get down on their knees and they say hi- to us a, a child, how would you like to go on a tour that your mum, your brother, and your big sister and your big brother can't go on? And they every child says, yes. So they take them on this tour and the other members of the family go on the Tower of Terror thing. And when they come back, they say, you know, we're going to measure you up now. And when you reach this height, when you reach this height, he was vouchers to come back with your family, right? Now, that is genius. And if you think of all the interactions that you have on a daily basis, and you've got the choice to create something fantastic, make people feel fantastic, to create a memory for them, or you just interact on a Basic, you know, um, you know, commercial basis. The difference is profound. So, you know, stories are the food for all of this. And if you create in your staff the ability to tell stories, to, to create those experiences for each other as well, because we often forget that one of our customers are other people inside the organisations. If you yeah, create... You know, if you create this this culture where people are all creating you know magic moments for people, epiphany moments, then you have created something extraordinary. So I have worked with organisations to achieve this, and it is quite extraordinary. You know, I've helped um, organisations go into the top you know ten um, best organisations to work for. Now mm-hmm. that tells you something. When your staff are signing up to something that says, we love working here, because we're listened to. We've got a head of steam. We make things happen. We've got a responsibility uh, for the customer experience. And we don't want the customer experience to be an ordinary one. Why should we? Because it's yeah, an ordinary. Yeah, you know? And it's 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 blindingly obvious when you speak about it. But it's not blendingly obvious in most organisations because they struggle to say, well, look, we've been around for a long time. It's very hard to move a tanker. You say, no, it's not. You're not moving a tanker. You're moving a flotilla of little ships. And that makes it easier. Absolutely. Part of that is inspiration. Part of it is motivation. But part of it is actually anchoring the organisation around something that's bigger than any of them. Mm -hmm. Southwest Airlines... Their mission statement to, uh, what was it, uh, a warrior spirit and a fun-loving attitude. How mm-hmm. motivating is that? Their vision to be the most loved and most profitable airline in the world. Loved. spelt L-U-V. Because, you know, we need um, our organisations now whether they're, they're small businesses or large businesses, to, to move from being just a brand to being a love mark. Now, this is yeah. a concept I heard from Satchi and Saatchi Europe um, a few years ago, and it's a great one. So you think of those brands that, you know, you have got a friendship for life, but if they break the the, the, the friendship, if they do something, you know, you might go to a restaurant for years, you get a bad meal, mm-hmm. that can put you off for life and you don't go back then again so yeah, absolutely. and that excites people it doesn't put them off it excites people that they are part of this you know culture of creating you know, wonder and you know um you know magic and leaving people's uh mood uplifted and yeah. why not
0: absolutely i love that that's a really good uh, i love the story and i love the uh metaphors that you've uh, given in there because it's trans does transfer and it's uh it helps people to jump on the same ship as opposed to going off in different directions so that's something that i i like to do when i work with clients is to teach them how to do a story and how to tell it to their clients because then it will resonate a lot more question i was going to ask you mike is if you were um asking yourself a question what question would you ask yourself about helping people forward if you if you, if you were interviewing yourself?
1: Well, I, 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 I would say, you know, there are lots of people around who call themselves motivational speakers. Lots of people around to call themselves organisational transformation uh, yep. specialists. So what makes you stand out? Well, what makes me stand out is that, you know, I'm 70 now. I don't broadcast that. Because I don't feel it, I don't think I look it, and I certainly don't sound it. So I bring an enorm- enormous amount of experience of being at every level of organisational you know, uh, structures. Yeah. I have worked, you know, I had a, a, a marketing design company for nineteen years, which is really, really a solid grounding. You know, how do you work with organisations? How do you create the messages that really uh, capture people's imagination? Um, So I've learnt over a long time and I've been speaking over a long time. So, you know, I have gone to, I have seen public speaking um, courses and I think that's fine. But the real essence of speaking is not being able to structure, it's not being able to tell stories, it's not being able to do any of these things, it's how to be persuasive how to influence the audience so I don't go in and say you know here I am going to speak and if any of you want to listen to it that's fine I leave memories behind with people memories nuggets and I've learned this from a lifetime of hearing storytellers and telling stories and you will remember you know what someone said yes but you will remember how they made you feel now as a speaker. I go in, how do I want people to feel? That's the first thing. And then what do I want them to remember for the rest of their lives? Yeah. What do I want them to do from the minute they leave this auditorium or this conversation? So those are the three measures I have. And it is from a lifetime of experience of knowing what has prompted me to do something, what has made has turned a switch in my head. So um that that's what I bring because you know as soon as you as soon as you say you know I'm people describe me as a motivational speaker so it's a search engine thing and you know it doesn't do you any good to say you know I'm a speaker with a difference because it doesn't really um qualify in all the search engines but that is what I bring it is the ability to leave people with something that they will carry and prompt them to do something for the rest of their life. Now, I know this. I've researched it because I have met people or talked to people 10 years after. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not that old, you know. And they they will remember what the story was and what it made them rethink and what it made them do. So that's influence. Speaking of... Sure di- i
0: going to ask you, actually, is... Uh, it's not to throw you out, but uh, it's more of a creative one because I know you're a creative thinker and I know that I, I uh, speaking to you over the last uh, couple of weeks and uh, seeing what you posted and all that. So if someone gave you a, a magic pill of some description, not to clear COVID or anything, but if you had a magic pill and it transformed you into something, but gave you a magic ability to do something, what would it be and what would you use it for? You. Personal, professional?
1: I I, I I, think I would use it to reach people with my message and actually to see um, through buildings, through walls, see what goes on so that I understand and I could go with a really ready pitch. Because, you know, the, the and even when I was in business and we were doing really well, um, you know, um, winning awards, uh, winning extraordinary contacts, I had to bring people in from outside. I had to, because I could not make that assessment myself. I could make assessments about the spreadsheet because the spreadsheet shows good profits. But how do people feel? Um, What kind of image are we projecting? It's all very well to judge your image by the spreadsheet, but you know, a spreadsheet can be a very fragile thing because someone can come in with something you know better something wholly different so i think it's be able to 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 see through walls um that would be my that would be my superpower
0: awesome that's incredible but this this uh, podcast all about global sales leader and definitely um you're one of them and because sales is all uh, we're all selling all the time we influence each other at all times we influence our kids we influence our husbands wives and all of that all the time but having the know-how to build an effective story is incredible and that really touches people on all emotional levels so you've definitely given that gift forward to people today so I I thank you for that and how can people find out more about you Mike? Can I tell you a very quick
1: story? Of course you can. I was in a a house and the, the mother was getting very fractious she said to her her child you know it was a wee boy Go and tidy your bedroom up is an absolute tip, and he says, eh, "No, I hate tidying my bedroom." And I said, "Can I ask him a question?" And uh, she said, "Yes, yes." I said, "What would your bedroom look like if you were inviting if David Beckham was coming down this evening?" And he ran off, and he transformed his bedroom because the question was framed in a different way. Yeah. yeah. Okay. People can get a hold of me through. Fantastic.co.uk uh, or mikestevenson.net and i'm also on linkedin uh, mike stevenson so i would love to you, know, even if people are asking me just for a bit of advice on how they can you know, get out of a sticky situation but you know the world is full of opportunity now the opportunities are opening up like never before and i'd love to talk to you and thanks oh. so much for inviting me Oh, you're absolutely more than welcome. I thoroughly
0: enjoyed it. You've really sort of uh, enhanced uh, this podcast and you've given some golden nuggets. And that's what I always want to give people forward as a gift when they listen to this so they can go, well, I'm going to apply that to my life. I'm going to do that. And like if they contact you or they contact me, happy days. But uh, it's the gift forward that um, is the inspiration to inspire people to think slightly differently. And that's what this podcast is all about. Um, So, look, I thank you so much. It's been really educational. It's been really inspirational. And uh, I thank you so much. So, Mike, have a wonderful day. And uh, I look forward to speaking to you again soon.
1: Thank you. And everyone who watches this, have a great day and step forward with confidence and boldness. Thank you, Jason.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Global Sales Leader Podcast with your host Jason Cooper. If you'd like to find more about me, uh, have a look at my website, jasoncooper.io, or send me an email at jcooper at jasoncooper.io. If you like this and you like all the other episodes, please give it a five-star rating. It really helps. Have a wonderful day.